um, Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Uh, similar kind of guy, just impressive on film. Did, did some things that really caught my attention. Um, he's a guy who retains most of his athleticism when he's running at top speed. Um, you know, he can make uh, cuts in traffic without gearing down. Uh, you know, definitely needs some refinements. Um, I'd love to find some more film on this guy, but you know, this is just a class that's filled with intriguing athletes. Gabriel Davis out of UCF, uh, young at 20 years old, six foot three, 212, still developing. Um, he's a little bit like Ayuk in that I think he's got nuanced stuff that he needs to work on. Um, Davis, to me, could be a little bit like a Terrell Williams, maybe not quite that lanky. Um, you know, he's a little inconsistent with his hands, but when he catches the ball, it's nice. Um, so Davis is a guy to me with tons of upside. I want to see him run well. We're going to get to a lot of other guys in this class. There are a lot of good receivers in this class that I haven't even talked about yet. Um, some guys who I like, who are sort of down the list on a lot of people's rankings. Guys who I uh, I want to see how they um, perform at the Combine. Uh, John Hightower from Boise State is a guy I sort of like. Uh, Van Jefferson, um, who uh, he transferred from what... Um, Ole Miss uh, to Florida. Uh, I liked what he did at Florida. Um, now, he's not super twitchy impressive, but he's a long body guy with some real talent. He's older, um, but you know, I think the right landing spot, uh, Van Jefferson could be a guy. Now, really deep class, wide receivers a deep position, but I'm really bringing some of these guys up just to underscore how deep this class is. happening Rotobonners. Welcome back to the Rotobon podcast. Pete Davidson here, you there. It's Tuesday. So we're talking waiver wire and uh, whew, what a week it was. Um, I, I've got to stop putting all my good players in these four o'clock games because when I, <laughs> I keep getting to like three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm like cashing like at the $30 level, just sitting there going, why do I do this? And then in the fourth quarter, uh, I, you know, all my teams make these comebacks and I ended up having not a good week, but nowhere near the awful week that it looked like I was having. Um, but, you know, the real story here is clearly not my DFS lineups, but uh, what happened to Dak Prescott last week, that was really tough to watch. And it's funny how, like, some people on social media just, it's like, they're just so negative, you know? Like, I was really bummed out about it, not because I felt bad for Dak because he lost a bunch of money. It was on a very human level. I mean, I'm an athlete who knows what it's like to be lying on your back on the court with everybody standing over you, looking at you, saying, don't worry, man, uh, the ambulance is on its way here. You know, don't worry, we'll, 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 you know, we'll get some ice on that, or you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, I know what it's like to rehab. I know what it's like to lose a season. It's happened to me a couple times. Um, not at the NFL level, obviously, but as an athlete, there's nothing worse than knowing in your heart, and you know when it happens. You know, there's no, you know, as an athlete, if you tear a ligament or break a bone, obviously, um, but when you do the real damaging stuff, you know, you know. I, I've never had an injury that kept me out multiple months or I didn't know I was in trouble the second it happened. 
Uh, and I don't like seeing athletes go through those emotions. It, 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 it had a real effect on me. I had to turn off the TV for a while. Um, and then these people like responding like, oh, well, he should have, he shouldn't have taken the risk. Or, you know, it's his fault. He signed a tender. Like, like as if money had anything to do with why I'm upset uh, for Dak Prescott. I mean, it's true. I mean, the, the, the dude, the, and not to mention, you really think Dak's worried about money? He, he's playing on like a, a, a 25 million plus franchise tender, plus all the money he'd already made, plus, you know, the commercials and all the other stuff. Dak Prescott's not hurting for money. He's going to make more money in this game, probably, unless this ends up being a real freaky injury. Had nothing to do about money. It has to do with just the, the human element, man. Anyway, I, I got a lot to talk about here. We're not going to waste the whole podcast on that. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the intro. The intro. There was actually some some information in the intro this week, um, but most of those guys are people we're going to talk about uh, on the waiver wire today. And you know, obviously, the big name uh, is Mr. Claypool, who we're going to get to when we get to uh, the receivers. Um, but let's get back to that Dak Prescott injury and talk some quarterbacks. Um, and, and by the way. Um, Really, there's just a lot of good players on the waiver wire this week, and you know, it, it, depending on what your you know your budget situation is, depending on how many cuts you have, obviously you can decide on how much you want to lean in um, to get any one particular person. Obviously, a lot of the names I speak in this podcast will be players that, for whatever reason, are taken in your league, whether it's a deep league or just random stuff. Um, but there are a lot of good players out there. Um, so let's talk about these quarterbacks. Now, at the top of my list is going to be Andy Dalton. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like to rip on the Red Rocket from time to time. But let's not kid ourselves. This is a guy who's already done it, right? I mean, Andy Dalton lacks nuance and ball skills in certain situations. He's not a guy who drops the ball in. He's not a multi-level thrower in terms of touch. But Andy Dalton can hit a moving target. Andy Dalton can master an offense, um, and, you know, he can get it done. He just needs open men to throw to. That's really always been the key for Andy Dalton. He doesn't throw players open. He throws two open players. I mean, that's a very general way of putting it, but I think it's pretty accurate. And so what are we looking at here? We're looking at a team that knows how to get people open and a team with a run game. Now, here's the one trick with Dalton, and if this ends up being a bad recommendation, I think the reason why most likely is going to have to do with Dallas's offensive line. It's, you know, if, if, if Dalton was playing behind the old offensive line, I think, you know, he would have a good shot at finishing top eight the rest of the way. You know, as it is, I think he has a good shot at finishing top 12, 13, 14 in that area, okay? Not bad for a waiver wire pickup, right? Um, but Dalton is going to need to make quick decisions. They are going to need to maybe run a little bit more than they have been uh, and then set him up with clean throwing options. But this is a guy who can make those clean throws. He really can. And, you know, he it's not like this guy's used to playing behind a Cadillac offensive line. This is a guy who is able to do it by being a distributor and throwing to high-end talent when he was back uh, in his heyday um, with Cincinnati, where obviously there was a lot of top-end talent uh, to throw to. So to me, Dalton is really well suited. He's been around. He's been able to learn. Um, you know, I, I it really a little bit of a floor play here, just because I think how bad can Dalton be? So like to me, you pick up Dalton, it's a no brainer, um, because this offense in and of itself is a floor. Um, 
so Dalton to me is the guy to go after a quarterback, but there's so many other good options and that and, and some of them are really close, arguably better, like Justin Herbert, dear God, seven TDs over his last two weeks. Is it going to continue? I don't know. But when you factor in the foot points, the fact that he really has the job at this point, Mike Williams is apparently uh, doing okay with that hamstring. Uh, now, these guys are on the bye this week, so that could be a factor. But I think Herbert, you know, from an upside perspective, if you wanted to go Herbert over Dalton, I could see that if you just want to go flat ceiling. Um, and then another one, and again, this guy I think is right in the discussion, um, is Baker Mayfield, who, you know, I don't know if people are going to feel this or not, but I think Baker is playing better football now. I think that team is starting to gel a little bit. The offense is starting to sort of take shape, if you will. Remember, they, there's another scheme change there this year. But when you look at Baker's overall schedule, now he's got Pittsburgh this week, not a great play this week, but you know, when you go through the full schedule, there is a ton to like. And now this is something I've been saying for a couple weeks. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but just to hit the part I like the most is, you know, if you make it to the final two weeks of your season and Mayfield is one of your quarterback options, you are going to have the ability to play against the Jets and Giants in weeks 15, 16. Man, that's worth stashing as far as I'm concerned. Um, Kirk Cousins is another one. Talked about him for a couple weeks now. Um, they are opening things up. They are going to throw more. Um, and I think Cousins is a good, solid option. They just don't have the defense to play the way Zimmer wants to play. They're going to have to throw more. And we've seen that. And he's got weapons now. Uh, and, hey, they, they got Irv Smith involved. So, I mean, when you've got Thielen and you've got Justin Jefferson and you've got the big, strong tight end in Rudolph and you're getting that move tight end, Irv Smith, involved, now all of a sudden the quarterback's got a lot of you know, ways he can attack you. I hope they keep that up. Um, Derek Carr, talked about him last couple weeks. It's not a fluke, folks. He is playing a little bit better, and they're being more aggressive down the field. You just look at the numbers. Also, consider the fact that they had like a 70-yard bomb to Aguilar called back two weeks ago. I mean, they've been going downfield more than I've ever seen Carr go downfield. Now, some of it is not pretty. He has made a couple really bad throws. But they are sort of just like pulling him open at this point. They're forcing him to be a more aggressive passer. And it's, it's you know, it's there's some fits and starts. But the bottom line is when you look at this team, he's got a tight end who can fly. He's got four outside receivers who can legitimately make plays downfield. He's got a running game to keep you honest. You know, Gruden is not a bad football mind. You know, he's a little bit of a dinosaur. Sometimes he's a little bit of an ostrich, but he knows how to design plays. I mean, don't kid yourself that he does. He just went into freaking Kansas City and beat Andy Reid. Um, so I think Derek Carr is a guy to take seriously. Uh, Gardner Minshew is an excellent pickup. We talked about all the reasons why. He's got some good scheduling. Um, They're going to be throwing. But I, the shark thing for me, you know, I think Minshew, if Shark was 100%, I'd move him up a little bit. With Shark banged up, less so. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, still a great pickup. Teddy Bridgewater, um, he's got the Bears and Saints the next two weeks, but after that, the schedule lightens up very nicely. S so many good options here. Um, so you're not going to need to spend a lot of money on quarterback. You can just sort of prioritize these guys and get one. Uh, Drew Locke's going to return soon. Uh, the Broncos schedule gets a little better. Fitzpatrick gets the Jets this week assuming he's the quarterback. If not, what a great way to uh, start two off. Either way, you get a nice pickup there. Nick Foles has a good matchup. Uh, Panthers this week, so he's playable short-term. Um, Daniel Jones, who 
I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of Daniel Jones, and I think this offense, uh, the people who are designing the plays and calling the plays are just doing him dirty. Uh, he does get Washington football team this week, but, you know, they can get after the quarterback, so I don't even know how great a matchup that is. Um, Philip Rivers hosts the Bengals. There's another streamer if you need one. Um, so there's a lot of good options this week if you look at the schedule. Um, you will be able to find more than, I, in most, even 12-team leagues, you're going to be able to find two or three quarterbacks uh, you can go after. Okay, um, if I failed to mention it, teams on the buys this week, I do think I failed to mention it. Uh, Raiders, Saints, Chargers, and Seahawks. So, you know, right there, uh, uh, both Herbert and Carr, more long-term than short-term, obviously. Um, let's move down and talk, um, talk about the running backs, because there's really... You know, I, I, it's not like there's 10 running backs to go bid on this week. It's really just a, like a handful, um, and some of them are almost definitely going to be taken. Uh, but, you know, Damian Harris, because the Patriots never played, he definitely got dumped, and, I, you know, he could be down around that 50% level in terms of availability now. I think on Yahoo he's 52. So he's definitely a guy who might be out there in some of your leagues. He's my top option, you know, at running back if mm-hmm. – you're trying to pick up a guy for the rest of the season. If you're, uh, and then Justin Jackson, I think, um, as we talked about last week, I said there's a chance this guy. You know, I've been talking about Josh Kelly all year, and I know there's all this buzz out there, and he's been a big name, and and I tried to be respectful about him being, you know, a big, fast guy you can catch, and he's and he had a role. Um, but I also mentioned that you know he fumbles too much, and he doesn't really break tackles, and now. You know, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but we are seeing that to some extent, and we're seeing Justin Jackson. Um, you know, running real well against the Saints, 20 touches. So um, now they're on the bye this week, but I still think Justin Jackson's a really good long-term pickup. Um, and, and again, you know, there's no reason to believe Eckler's coming back anytime soon. And if this season ends up being a lost season, there's every reason for the Chargers, you know, like say Eckler can come back week 12 or something. Um, they might just be like, you know what? Let's just keep this guy in bubble wrap, keep him fresh. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I think Eckler probably gets back at some point, but I don't think it's anytime soon. So uh, Jackson is sort of a long-term option in that sense. Um, Best option for this week is probably Alexander Madison. Um, You've got Cook, who's now most likely going to be out with a groin. Um, So Madison could be, you know, just a tremendous, um, you know, pickup for this week. Um... Just uh, want to confirm this. Yeah, it's hosting Atlanta. Hey, how you doing? So he's definitely going to be good for probably five receptions and 100 total yards, probably a couple, well, a touchdown or so. So Madison, great pickup for this week, probably in the RB1s when all is said and done. Um, the problem with Madison, obviously, is that Cook probably misses a single week here, uh, maybe two, I, I think, at the, at the you know, at the, at the most. Um, so Madison, great play for a single week. Could be at the top of a lot of lists. Probably would be at the top of my lists in a lot of these leagues. Um, but as a short-term option, not a long-term. Uh, Philip Lindsay, great talent. We know he's going to probably get around 10 touches a week, if not more. The key thing with Lindsay, though, is is he going to be catching balls? And I don't know that. Nobody really knows. Uh, but to me, you're not going to get much more upside than Philip Lindsay, and we've all seen it. This guy can put up 25-point fantasy games without much of a problem. Um, and Melvin Gordon's not exactly a guy who's been durable. So uh, I think Lindsay probably has... You know, 35% of this thing 
when both guys are healthy. So he's got standalone value. Um, but there's two possibilities here. One, he could just, with all his energy, outplay Gordon and get himself up to around 50%. Or Gordon could get hurt. He could get up to 80% and beat an RB1 on a lot of weeks. So Philip Lindsay's got to be taken in all leagues. Um, Chase Edmonds, still available in a lot of leagues. Uh, looked good again last week. But, you know, as I talked about, you know, Fantasy folks are going to be really quick to say, hey, they got to make a switch here. They got to get uh, Edmonds in the game and they got to get Drake out. Uh, the problem with that is, is multifold, right? First of all, and you know, we've talked about this several times in the podcast, I'll just bring it up one more time. There is that dynamic that occurs between starting running backs and backups. Backups come in, they're fresh, they've got juice. They always tend to look quicker than the starter because they know they're going to be in there for a handful of plays, and damn it, they're going to give energy on those plays where they're in there. So there's that built-in dynamic of just backup running back to starting running back. We've seen this through the years, right? I've talked about on the podcast, you know, back with the, you know, back in you know, my heyday with the Jets, those those two to three years where they were good. You know, you would have, you know, Curtis Martin, Hall of Fame running back. Now, granted, he's probably a little overrated, but he's still a Hall of Fame running back. And Jet fans would sit there screaming for Lamont Jordan. Why? Because we saw Lamont Jordan come in at the end of games when the when the game was already decided, and he would beat up on, on tired defenses. So I was like, oh, you know, Jordan looks amazing. It's like, well, yeah, he comes in, teams relax, um, because Martin's out of the game. He gets different looks from defenses, um, and he runs against tired defenses. This is common with backup running backs. So, we, you know... It, We've seen this so many times where backup looks great with 30% of the job and then at 70% of the job looks like a very different player. Now, is Edmonds that kind of back? I don't know. I actually like Edmonds. I've liked him a ton. I loved his film when I watched him at Fordham. Um, I mean, a guy who plays his college football in New York. I mean, right off the bat, that's pretty remarkable. But um, the one thing I always said about him, he was always the best player on the field. And when you're, when you're looking at those prospects that played against a low level of competition that's the thing you really want to see is this guy the best player on the field and he was a lot of you know pretty much all the time so I think Chase Edmonds is a legit guy and if Drake went down I think Edmonds would be worth a ton but the idea that he is just going to push past Drake and become like an 80-20 where Drake just gets completely demoted I I'm having a tough time seeing it for a couple reasons. One, Drake is bigger. He's the bigger back. He's more capable of handling a workload. And then the other thing is, remember, Drake is the guy coming off the injury. Drake was in a walking boot in August. So he is not really... Like, I mean, when you watch it... I mean, I've gone and watched the film, and yeah, Drake doesn't look that great. I was talking about it last week. He's not... You know, and it could relate to the foot because I'm sitting there like, put a foot in the ground, dude, put a foot in the ground. And he wasn't doing it, which says to me that he's still working on getting back to 100%. He doesn't have that much confidence in his explosivity. Um, so is Drake a guy to fade in DFS right now? Yeah, maybe. Um, is this situation maybe moving more? Is it possible that this moves to a 50-50 at some point? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um I like both of these backs, but it's it's important. Like you know, we everybody. Oh, David Johnson's washed. Well, he's not totally washed. He's you know he's much better this year than he was last year. Um, it's really important that we understand how to evaluate guys when they've been banged up. Um, if Drake looks like this in a month, then I think there's a real problem. But you know, Drake. You know, even last week, like everyone's like, oh, they got to make the switch. They got to make the switch. Well, after everybody was screaming that on Twitter, Drake picked up like 80 yards. So. 
I understand, and I haven't gone back and watched that whole game yet, uh, and I will, um, but I just think sometimes we have to understand that there's there's more going on uh, than meets the eye. Um, but, so I, I'm not going to sit here and deny that Drake hasn't looked good because he hasn't, and I'm not going to sit here and deny that Edmonds hasn't looked good because he has, but we have to understand the paradigm that we're looking at it in. Um, and just because we want the guy who's been doing better fantasy work you know, getting 70-80% of the juice. The coaching staffs don't see it that way. They also understand that they've been throwing the ball to Edmonds and, they ha- and they've been using uh, Drake on, you know, fakes and stuff like that, a lot of inside stuff. Um, they know which guy's getting the better looks and they know that if, if Drake was getting more pass down looks, he would have some of those plays too. So, you know, I've been saying pick up Chase Edmonds for weeks I still think you should pick him up this week, but don't do it with the idea that, you know, later this week he's going to be announced the starter. I mean, it's possible, but just because everybody on Twitter wants it to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. Okay, that was too long a tangent. Sorry about that. Um, So Damian Harris, I think, is sort of the top guy. Justin Jackson really nipping at his heels. Uh, Alexander Madison... A little bit further down because he's a handcuff, but since this is one of those weeks he's, he can be used as a starter, he's probably the best option for this week. Philip Lindsay, right there with all these guys in terms of rest of season. Um, we, you know, in a week, two, three weeks, we could all be pounding the table screaming Philip Lindsay because something happened to Melvin. Um, and then Duke Johnson, I saw, I spoke of David Johnson. Um, you know, he's a guy who's been dinged up on and off. So, and Duke is now back running well. So he's a guy, 12-team leagues, Duke's got to be rostered, um, ideally by the David Johnson owner to protect himself. Um, and then, you know, we talked about Dearness Johnson last week. He's sort of on the list, you know, really more for standard scoring leagues uh, and deeper leagues. He didn't get much juice last week is sort of what I expected. Um, now, the other back, Hillier, didn't get anything either. So, in fact, he got nothing. So it does look like... Um, Dearness Johnson is sort of in that chub role, but the chub role is going to get smaller. I mean, like, and this is where Twitter just turns into a crazy place. I had people on Twitter saying, no, they're going to give the chub role to Dearness Johnson. I think sometimes we, we've heard so many people say the, the X player role that we start to think that that's a thing that actually exists. Like roles are things that exist, you know, in that type of, um, What's sort of like that type of paradigm? Like you know, like it, a, a, play, roles are created for players, not not for generic players, right? So if you know, you can put a guy in the Antonio Brown role, you're not going to get Antonio Brown stats, right? Um, and not to mention when it, like in, in, it, Antonio Brown leaves an offense, he doesn't leave behind the role; he leaves behind a void. But when that void gets filled, it's not going to be, you know, Antonio Brown version 2.0, right? So, yeah, Dearness Johnson is now on the depth chart sort of where Chubb was. He's not the starter like Chubb was. Obviously, Hunt is going to be the starter now. But this idea that, you know, Chubb was a guy who got 15 to 20 carries, so now Dearness Johnson will be, that's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's not going to happen. It'll happen in a blowout. Okay, um... 
I will put some deeper options on the final wire, um, but I think one that I know off the top of my head that uh, we want to sort of think about is uh, Mad Burita, um, you know, who didn't get a huge bump in playing time, but he did play the most he's played all um, season, put up around 60 total yards, had a nice 31-yard reception. Um, and now I think if, you know, he's now at a point where, you know, he makes the jump up to, say, 40%, we may have something uh, in terms of a standalone flex play, and then he can maybe start chipping away uh, at Gaskin's thing. We'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll have to see. But the important thing there is that um, Jordan Howard was a healthy, inactive last week, and that obviously bodes well uh, for both Gaskin and for Breida. Um, Let's jump down and talk about these receivers, and boy, is there a lot to talk about. And really, it's... (laughs) There's so many of these guys, and, and they're all really guys that I would love to have at my fantasy teams. Now, look, the first name, I think there's no doubt in my mind that the receiver I'm going after this week, if he's available, and look, he's been a stash on our waiver wire here for weeks now. So I, I know that some of you already have Chase Claypool just because I've been saying stash him. But obviously, just because a guy's a stash doesn't mean you have a place for him. Um, and you may only be in a position to roster players who are going to produce totally get that, which is why he's at the top of the wire this week. Um, Now you sell out to get this guy because not only did he sort of fill in for Deontay, who sort of got knocked out, but if you watch the beginning of that football game, they were using him in short yardage situations, okay? Claypool was part of the game plan no matter what happened to Deontay. So uh, I think, you know, that's something we definitely have to understand, you know, that they clearly had a plan to use him before um, Deontay went went down. He only played six snaps, but you know, the other, you know, not to get all dirty dancing on this, but you know, you're not putting baby back in the corner after, after this. I mean, we, we, obviously we knew Claypool was freaky going in. That's why he's been a stash for the last couple weeks. But you know, now you're talking about dropping multiple touchdowns in multiple ways. And you know, this is a guy you should just sell out, go get Chase Claypool hundred percent. But, but do not despair if you are clearly in, not in a cash position to get, to get Claypool because there are a bunch of other guys who really are going to make great ads. Now, Mike Williams, who I, I'm thinking a lot of you guys have Mike Williams because I've been sort of blowing this horn for a couple weeks. Five of eight targets, 109 yards, and two scores last night. He wasn't even 100% healthy. But for the last time, because I don't think he's ever going to be available again, but for the last time, Mike Williams fits the skill set of the quarterbacks that they have brought in since Rivers. We talked about it in August. We talked about it in September. We talked about it even once he was all banged up. And, you know, we weren't going to see him for a while. This is a guy who fits the way they play now. He just does. So Mike Williams is a guy you absolutely should be going and getting. Um, right beneath him, Miko Hardman. Um, not sure where some people are going to prioritize him. I saw the Watkins injury when it happened. Sammy Watkins pulled up his leg like he got shot in the hamstring. Now, granted, Sammy's a guy who's he's had hamstrings before. He knows what it feels like, but he hopped off that field. He was significantly dinged up. If you go back on Twitter, you'll see I right when I saw it, I said, real low probability we see Sammy Watkins again today or something to that effect. Um, and, you know, once that thing swells up, and when you really get a good one, I, I think Sammy Watkins is out two weeks, maybe more. Wouldn't surprise me if he was out three or four. Um, and, you know, at that point, for all we know, if Hardman plays well plays well enough, 
he'll, you know, yeah, Watkins will come back and get his role back, but, the, you know, the fourth and fifth receivers are just going to become an afterthought, and Hardman will have a bigger role. Wouldn't surprise me if that ended up happening. So this is your shot with Hardman. He's, you know, a great play um, for the next couple weeks. And actually, I'm just going to pull up. Sorry, I can't have all of these pulled up ahead of time. Buffalo this week, not going to be a hard matchup for him because he's going to have one of the good matchups. In fact, I could see him being a guy who scores a couple big plays in that game. Then Denver, the Jets, Carolina, Raiders. I mean, pick up Miko Hardman, folks. <laughs> pick up Miko Hardman. This guy's going to be scoring touchdowns over the next month. Um, and look, if you want to go for more of a rest of the rest of the season pickup, I think T. Higgins is just as good. You can make an, a good, strong argument that T. Higgins is even better. So if you, if your focus is purely rest of the season, um, you know I could see Higgins over Hardman. Um, I think you can make an argument either way. Um, I mean, I'm an upside, straight upside guy. Um, so you know that's where that's why to me it's a little bit of a discussion. Um, but you know, just looking at Higgins, Colts this week, then the, then uh, Cleveland, then Tennessee, then Pittsburgh. We talked about this last week. As much as we like Higgins, he's facing some really tough games. So if you know, if you're a team that's you know, yeah, we all like to take guys for the long term. But if you're sitting there and you're two and three, you can't play the long term game right now. You need to win the next couple weeks, and I think Hardman could help there. Um, same kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Brandon Cooks dumped in enough leagues where we can actually talk about him on this thing. Now, I don't know who was dumping Brandon Cooks last week. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that was about, but he was dumped in a fair number of leagues. Uh, obviously, the guy put up a bagel. It happens. Um, you know, he came back and, and posted a monster game. Okay, a monster game. Um, now, this week against Tennessee is not a great matchup. But, you know, Green Bay, not too bad after that. Then Jacksonville, uh, Detroit. Um, you know, he's got some good matchups the rest of the way. But the reason he's down this far is because he's also got a bunch of tough ones. Um, you know, Cleveland is not a good matchup. Patriots is not a good matchup. Bears is not a good matchup. Um, so, you know, it's not ideal. One good thing is that his second Tennessee game is Week 17. That helps a little bit. Um, but Brandon Cook's definitely a guy to go get. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, right in the conversation here. Um, again, I'm not really doing these guys in order on the podcast. I'm going to put them in the best order I can um, for the final rankings. Um and even that is sort of a generic order, because, you, which is why we do the podcast, right? I want to talk about these guys from a bunch of different angles, because some of these guys are better fits for now, some are better fits for later, and some are just sort of rest of the season. Obviously, they have the most value, but even rest of the season value is different for some teams. If I'm five and one, uh, excuse, if I'm four and one, I'm all about rest of the season value. If I'm one and four, I don't so much care. And you need to take those stances depending on the the disposition you're in, based on the footing of your team, and so on and so forth. Um, but MVS is going to be, you know, there's three guys that are going to get the targets. At, you know, Aaron Jones obviously is one as well. But you know, Devonte Adams, MVS, and Tanyan are going to get a lot of these targets that go down the field. So to me, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a guy who's going to be making very big plays on a fairly consistent basis. Not going to be a volume guy. So he's sort of a, a high-end flex 
every week. And then if the matchup is right, maybe he can squeak into that wide receiver three area. If he gets his game together a little bit more, he's still a guy who's raw. I mean, he's made some big improvements, particularly with the routes, but you still see him, the head turn is late way too often. It's like a lot of times people are like, why is he putting his hands up so late? If, if you just pay a little bit closer attention, these guys who are getting their hands up late, usually they're getting their head around late too. The, he the head has to come around for the hands to go up, right? Unless you're just throwing your hands up randomly, okay? And, and, and MVS is a guy where the head turn is not consistently early. And you know, that happens. And by the way, that's sort of a calling card for guys who are still thinking about their routes right so much of this stuff has to happen naturally um and he's still a guy who's going through that whole process he's a he was a very raw prospect and the reason he makes so many big plays is just he's just a, a ridiculous athlete with long strides he has the ability to get open uh and he's got a, a quarterback that you know aaron Rodgers just done miss a lot of downfield throws they're almost always in the area anyway um lavisca chenault next up now he's going to be higher when we do the rankings in fact uh, chenault is probably right there Really, you know, right behind Claypool. And I think arguably, you know, a week from now, we might be going, maybe Chenault should have been above Claypool. Who knows? I, I love Chenault, as you know. Can't believe he's still available in so many leagues. Uh, Henry Ruggs got dumped by a lot of teams. Um, and, you know, you can sort of understand why. But if you watched the Raiders game last week, whoa. First of all, he made a ridiculous catch. And on his, you know, he and he, and he beat the guy like a dog establishing inside position on that long touchdown. Pretty nice throw by Carr. Um, Henry Ruggs is going to be able to do a lot of that, folks, because he's got a guy who understands how to use a downfield weapon. Again, Gruden does a lot of stuff that we don't love for fantasy, but he's a good football coach, and he understands how to set plays up. Henry Ruggs is going to keep making big plays if he stays healthy. Um, he is on the bye this week. Um, Travis Fulgham. Now, here is a tough one, right? Now, Fulgham's a guy that I liked coming out. I've got some dynasty shares of him. I even hung on to him when he made the transition from you know Detroit's practice squad to the Eagles' practice squad. Now, we've got, you know, <laughs> two weeks where this guy has just gone absolutely nuts, man. I mean, he's seen 16 targets over the last two weeks. Now, he didn't even play heavy the first half of the prior week. It's really in like six quarters. 16 targets, 12 catches, 209 yards, two touchdowns. And again, most of that came last week. Um, so how do we process a guy like Travis Fulgham, who clearly has the ability to dominate at the catch point. And that's what we liked about him when he was coming out of college was he was able to make tough plays in traffic and he's tough after the catch. He knocks some guys down. What he's not is fast. You know, he, he and in fact, if you look at the way they've used him, he runs some seam routes. They've sort of, you know, he bleeds into some tight end stuff. I think he took some of Goddard's stuff that was left over that they didn't want to take out of the route design. So Fulgham is unique. He's tough to figure because they have so many receivers in Philadelphia, right? They're going to have Rieger come back in a week or two or three. They're going to have, in theory, Alshon Jeffrey on the field at some point. Deshaun Jackson is on the verge of being healthy all year but never really gets healthy. So there are ways where Fulgham could get forced out of this role, right? We're going to see um, Goddard going to come back at some point. So Fulgham is a tough one. I think for the near term, you're going to continue to see him in that seven to eight target range with some solid production. Uh, you know, games like we saw last week. I don't know if we're really going to see that, but this guy is really tough. He's a good athlete. He's a good football player, um, but you know, he's just not. He's not. 
he's not Claypool. You know, he's not a he's not as anywhere near as twitchy or as fast um, as some of these big um, big frame receivers we've seen. So you know, Claypool is a little a bit tougher in terms of how do we value him. The way I would value him is really nice start this week, right? Really nice start. In fact, let's you know what. I'm gonna just I'm gonna bring up the Eagles schedule. Let's just look at what they're what they're faced with. Their bye week doesn't happen until week nine. Probably a lot of these guys come back next week. So Baltimore this week is not a particularly good matchup for him, but the way they're using him, he should produce some against Baltimore. But then the next two games, week seven and eight, Giants, Dallas. Oh man, I definitely like the idea of having Fulgham on my team for those two matchups. So I think he's probably playable up into the bye, and then after the bye. Who knows? It'll have a lot to do with how he plays and you know what the Eagles decide to do. But if you're the Eagles and you've been looking for something and now you've found something, I don't know if you're going to push that fully to the side for a dusty Alshon Jeffrey. It's it's an interesting case. But you know, so I think this is a guy definitely in 12 team leagues. You add him and maybe even play him the next couple weeks and then just sort of hope for the best. Um, and you know, for all we know, you'll get it. Um, let's talk about some more receivers here. Uh, Christian Kirk slowly picking up steam like, we, like we've talked about. Had a decent day against the Jets. Um, definitely a guy I think should be owned in all 12 team leagues. Preston Williams, people start writing him off. He comes back with a better game and some touchdowns. Uh, Keelan Cole scored last week. Now Sharks got the ankle plus the sore knee. Keelan Cole in 12 team leagues can help you. Um, I think keep an eye on Perryman for the Jets because at some point he's going to be getting seven targets a week, whether he deserves them or not. Um, guy we talked that I, I put there in the intro just because, um, what the hell, uh, but Gabriel Davis on the Bills, because you've got John Brown banged up, I think Gabriel Davis is a guy in 12 and 14 team leagues. If you can stash him, he's a good stash. He's a good way to protect um, your Smokey Brown shares. Um, and let me see here. Oh, uh, Curtis Samuel. Is, is a guy I think we should be looking at. Um, Samuel is, you know, his snaps, he's playing like 20 less snaps on the season compared to the big dogs that everybody talks about there, you know, Robbie and DJ Moore. Um, but, you know, look, over the last two weeks, he's had nine targets. He's caught eight of them. Um, he had four rushes for 28 yards last week. So they're moving him around in the formation. They're doing different things with him. Uh, I think Curtis Samuel is a guy I would want on any 12-team league if for some reason he is out there. Um, and I'm definitely going to add some deeper uh, options at receiver as I work through some of these numbers throughout the day. So there will be a couple, um, you know, if you're in a 12 or a 14 teamer, I'm going to try to get some names um, on the, on, you know, in the waiver wire article for you guys. Um, let's uh, let's hit some tight ends. We'll get out of here. Okay, so the first thing you need to do with tight end is just make sure Robert Tanyan wasn't dumped. If Tanyan's out there, I think you get him above all else. Um, Eric Ebron has been looking a little better each week. He was second on the team in targets last week, which, you know, obviously I think is an anomaly. Uh, but it shows you that, you know, he's a guy. Um, you know, he looked pretty good. No problems. Looked like Eric Ebron. So I think Ebron is a pretty good pickup. Um, Gronkowski, I think from volume standpoint, is a reasonably good pickup. Same thing with Jimmy Graham. Cameron Brait is in play. Um, if you're lucky and Dalton Schultz is still out there, I think he's still a good pickup. Irv Smith on the Vikings is now starting to flash, I think, in deeper leaves. Uh, obviously in any tight end premium. Go grab Irv Smith along the same lines. Gerald Everett is being turned into a receiving specialist. I think he had 90 yards last week, if memory serves. Um, 
if they continue to go this way, at some point Everett might be playable. What they're doing to Higby is sort of a disgrace, and I really disagree with it. Um, and now you have to hear people on Twitter like, sort of like down-talking Higby, who's sort of a sort of a dickhead. I mean, I don't have a problem like saying Higby's a bad guy because he's done some bad stuff in his life. But, I mean, the dude can absolutely play. And I'm not sure why the Rams are just basically ignoring him. Um, by the way, when he's out on routes, which is only about 50% of the dropbacks now, which is just horrendous, he looks really good. So, I, I mean, look, we, we've talked about this in the past, that Higby is a really good blocker. Um, and right now, the fact that he can block so well, it's sort of like Kyle Rudolph. I mean, this guy could be easily a top eight tight end, but they don't use him that way. They use him as a blocker so much of the time. The Jets are doing it with Herndon, although the thing I don't understand there is that Herndon's not a good blocker. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's the Jets. I digress. Um, Jordan Akins may come off of the head injury. If he does, he'll step back into a nice role, I think. Trey Burton is a stash right now because he's had 11 targets over the last two games, playing less than total 50% uh, of the total snaps. If the Mo Ali Cox thing is like if he's going to miss a week or anything, I don't know if it's serious or not. Then uh, Burton could be a tight end you could use this week in bigger formats. Um, and then Tyler Eifert is drawing a little better than dead, so he has a pulse. He's a guy you could also look at. I will probably add a couple more names uh, to the final wire for the tight ends. Um, and uh, that's going to do it um, for the podcast. Uh, hopefully. I hit some points um, that help you guys. Uh, hopefully I added some texture to what you'll find in the article, which is going to be a little bit reduced this week, uh, as I've been talking about. Um, you know, and it, as I've said, it's not so much that I want to do that, but uh, I'm getting to the point now where I'm burning the candle so hard at both ends um, that it's like affecting you know, how well I think overall. I'm just, I'm, I'm beating on myself too hard to try to get so much content done. Um, and when I, when I finally got into my lineup construction, last week I was sort of brain dead I knew so much but I, I just my brain didn't feel very dynamic um, so I really need to get to a point where I'm getting a little more sleep a little more rest where I'm not just 100% football 24-7 because uh, it's not healthy <laughs> but anyway uh, I'm going to continue to do the best I can and hopefully uh, this podcast gave you some some different kind of insights than you'll find in other places. I know I went off on a couple tangents there. My apologies. Um, but that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Going to have full rankings, hopefully actually coming out on Wednesday. Um, hopefully I'll get the quarterbacks out Wednesday and then the other stuff out earlier on Thursday. Um, now, I know that isn't like essential because there's no Thursday night football this week, but uh, I want to get that stuff out and done with. So, you know, uh, I can really get in uh, to grinding my DFS process uh, because, as I told you guys last week, that's sort of where the passion is right now. And the lineup rankings are huge because that's where I get all of my nitty-gritty stuff. You know, I know where the injuries are on the defensive side of the ball and all that stuff. So I love doing the weekly rankings, but it's a precursor uh, to... Uh, uh, getting my DFS board perfected or as close to perfection as I can get it. Anyway, uh, good luck with the bidding tonight. Anybody who needs help, um, hit me up on Twitter. I'm more than happy to answer some questions if you have any. Uh, and hopefully by around 3 o'clock, I'll have the full waiver wire article up uh, maybe sooner. Uh, so go get them onward and upward. Giddy up.